Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this cold morning, which the Lord has given to us, as we've now come to the second Sunday in Advent. But before we get in uh, full earnest mode here with uh, what's going on for the, the day, the appointed day of the church here, I'm going to turn your attention to the back of your bulletin where we have there uh, Luther's small catechism. We're continuing to follow our midweek school students work throughout the course of their catechesis. And so today we have before us the Lord's Prayer, uh, its introduction. So, what is the introduction to the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that He is our true Father and that we are His true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask Him as dear children ask their dear Father. As I mentioned, we've come to the second Sunday in Advent, and I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover of the bulletin where we have our summary of the readings for today. The day on which our Lord returns will be a great and awesome day, for he will come in a cloud with great power and glory. To the wicked and the proud, it will be a day of judgment that will set them ablaze. The signs preceding this day will bring them fear and fainting, but to those who believe, who fear the name of the Lord, this day is one to look forward to and rejoice in. Straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near, our Lord says in the gospel for today. Christ, our Redeemer, is coming. The Son of Righteousness will bring healing in His wings. Let us then give attention to the words of our Lord, which do not pass away. Let us, through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, be strengthened in our hope by the Holy Spirit and watch diligently for Jesus' coming. Then, by God's grace, we shall escape all these things that will come to pass and will stand before the Son of Man. Well, as that word Advent means coming and this time of the church here, we focus on how Christ comes to us and we look forward ultimately to his second coming. We rejoice that he comes to us now in word and sacrament. We have the great joy of receiving Christ, our Savior, in and under bread and wine as he gives us his very body and blood to drink and to eat for the forgiveness of our sins. But according to his words, he also bids us to be in unity when we come forward to receive this blessed gift, to be in unity, not just what we confess about the supper itself, but what we confess on the whole as Christians. Therefore, all those who come to the altar this day, we ask be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in that one orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our service this day is divine service setting three as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, that by his coming we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. 
and you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 15. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, dear saints in Christ Jesus, having heard the lessons for today, you may find it hard to believe that we're just three weeks from Christmas. Actually, two. Even the short year, I still get confused. Whenever Advent 4 falls on Christmas Eve, that trips a pastor up every single time. You can be a pastor for 40 years, and it still throws you off when you have a short year like this. 
But the readings, they speak of both fiery judgment and our joyful, certain hope that we have in the return of our Messiah. There's not a lot of Christmas cheer to be found in phrases that speak of that day like it's a blast furnace, which completely incinerates arrogant sinners and evildoers down to stubble and ash. There's not a whole lot of feel-good Christmas caroling material to be found in Jesus' description of people fainting with fear and foreboding over what is coming on the earth. In fact, if you packed up all the kids in the minivan, think of this one, headed over to a friend's house, have this joyful message in your hearts. Can you imagine it? You knock on their door and they answer. You say, Merry Christmas. All you know what is breaking loose. The world is ending in a fiery, horrific blaze. Deck the halls with righteous judgment. <laughs> Chances are you wouldn't get to finish that line before they shut the door in your face. But then on the other hand, there are beautiful gospel promises found in the readings today. For God's saints who fear his name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. This is a beautiful description of the Lord's coming and the joy that will fill his church on the last day. So what gives? How are we to understand this? Why the stark contrast of judgment and of joy? Well, rest assured, dear Christians, there's nothing wrong with the readings that are chosen for Advent too. After all, remember, this is Advent. It is not yet Christmas. As God's repentant people, we are waiting for that day of the Lord, that day which will burn like an oven, and that day which will also bring us great joy. We're looking forward to it. And you might wonder why. How is that possible? Because Jesus has told us that even though that day is terrible for those who are lost in unbelief, for you, his church, it is the day of your deliverance and redemption and vindication. When Jesus returns, all those who believe in him will go into his perfect promised paradise. Therefore, the readings for today, they make perfect sense, and they're just what we need to hear. So let's get into it. Now, if you take a look at the world that we're living in, you have to admit that it can be a pretty terrifying place, especially nowadays, and yet there's nothing new under the sun. It's been this way since the fall into sin. The world has been a dark and terrifying place ever since our first parents plunged us into sin and death on that fateful day in the Garden of Eden. Now, in terms of sin, evil, and death, humanity has not improved one bit since that day in the garden. In fact, I think it'd be easy to say that things have gotten worse. We just keep falling apart. Just think about all the changes that have taken place, even in our little corner of the world, in our country, and among our people in just the last 20 years. Things which, by and large, used to be deemed sinful by society, things people used to try to hide and conceal because of their shame, are instead now protected, promoted, and celebrated. And we're even getting to the point where you better celebrate it or else. And that message is coming from the wagging finger of our own government. Sex outside of marriage, shacking up, the try before you buy attitude, that was called living in sin even when I was younger. And honestly, I'm not that old, folks. Now such behavior is the norm. It's expected. Homosexuality, well, for our culture, that ship has all but sailed. Today, you are the one who is considered evil if you do not promote, endorse, and celebrate something which is contrary to God's good design for humanity. Something which the Lord explicitly refers to as shameless, debased, unrighteous, and evil. And then, of course, there's abortion. That's always been murder in God's eyes. But for decades in our country, it's been called women's health, choice. They cloak it with terms like reproductive rights. And it's really just a simple form of birth control. 
while there are and there will continue to be people who go to extremes to fight in favor of this evil, even now after Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And then, of course, there's the pagan religions. Now, you might be going, wait a minute, that's a left turn, Pastor. It's really not. Not at all. Witchcraft, Satanism, and the old pagan religions are on the rise in our country. And if you were just to look at the college campuses around our country, and it wouldn't even have to be public campuses, mind you, you'd find dozens and dozens of student groups whose goal is to encourage and foster the growth of these evil ideologies and religions. Lord, have mercy upon us. And don't even get me started on the dark and sad reality of gender confusion and people identifying as animals and who knows what else. Honestly, even mentioning some of these issues, some of these sins, it's kind of like beating a horse long dead in our culture. If we turn our attention toward the household of God, we'll see that there's also much to say. The first, second, and third commandment defenses seen within the Christian church today, these should have us repenting in sackcloth and ashes. So much of what passes for Christian doctrine in American Christianity is based completely in fickle human thoughts and emotions rather than the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. In the spiritual climate of Christianity in America, confessional Lutherans, like us, are told that we should just simply agree to disagree about false doctrine and heresy. Instead of calling a spade a spade, we're told to be quiet and to focus on Christian unity and good feelings. Why is that? Well, because calling out false teaching and heresy, that makes people upset, and it hurts people's feelings, and you just can't do that when you're living in 2023 America. In fact, in our culture now, offending someone, that has become the unforgivable sin. People might take their business elsewhere. They might post something unflattering on social media. You might get canceled. You might get doxxed. You might get censored, or all of the above. So yes, tell me again how our reality right now is not just a little bit doomy, gloomy, and terrifying. As much as we'd like to deny it, the readings from Holy Scripture today are fitting. Now, here's the truly unsettling thought. What does God think about all of this stubborn and proud sinfulness in the world, in his church, dare I say, including in us? What does God think about this stiff-necked, emboldened, and arrogant stance that our culture takes when it fights like the devil to defend the darkness that it so prefers? What does God think about people who defiantly do whatever pleases them at that given moment? Reminds us of the book of Judges. People did what was right in their own eyes. Well, God tells us. There's no mystery about it at all. He tells us plainly, bluntly, and honestly, and it's terrifying. This is what our scripture lessons speak of today. However, you need to listen carefully, dear saints, because when we hear God's law preached so loudly, so clearly, it can be easy to miss the gospel that is present also. We get so caught up and rattled by the harsh words of God's final and just response to sin and evil that we can miss the gospel. In our reading from the prophet Malachi, the righteous ones, that is, those who have been justified through faith alone by God's grace alone, they are alive and well. God's saints have been brought through the tribulation. They're saved. They're walking victoriously in the dust and ash that remains after God has put all evil and all terror to final death. Jesus tells us in Luke's gospel to lift up our heads when we see these terrifying and apocalyptic things happening. And why? Because the Son of Man, the victorious Jesus Christ in the flesh, is returning in all power and all glory, just as we confess in the creeds. And just ponder for a moment what Jesus is telling us here. He speaks of the Son of Man coming in power. This 
power, which is dynamis in the Greek. It's actually where we get the word dynamite. This power of God is the power of salvation to all who believe. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to save, as St. Paul exhorts us in Romans 1.16. And we should never be ashamed of this gospel, this word of God, because it and it alone is the power of salvation to all who believe. Our Savior Jesus Christ will return again with the same power on full display. He will return in full kingly glory. In fact, if you look in Revelation 19, you even get a picture of this as he comes not humbly on a donkey, but Jesus returns astride a white steed with his robe dipped in blood, and he bears titles on his robes and on his thighs, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming. You see, he'll return in all glory. And that word glory, it's an Old Testament word. It should key us off to something we see in the Old Testament because the glory of the Lord is what Israel looked to and followed during their wilderness sojourning. The glory of the Lord, that is, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, led the Israelites through their wandering in the desert's dark shadow of death. This glory of the Lord, it would come to a stop, letting the Israelites know exactly where they would set up the tabernacle, the holy house where God Almighty tented with, where he tabernacled and dwelt with his people. And when that divine glory would pick up and leave, well, the people were to follow, trusting that God knew what he was doing and that he was working all things for their good and for their salvation. You see, this is why I love the second part of Jesus' gospel teaching today. He directs us to the fig tree. He says, you can tell by looking at the fig tree that when you see buds and leaves forming on the branches, summer is near. In other words, you can look at a budding tree and connect the dots. You see it and you know that summer is near. So it is with the second coming of the Son of Man. It's all part of God's plan. Everything is right on schedule. And when you see these things happening all around you, and quite frankly, we've seen these things happening since the resurrection. We connect the dots. We straighten up and lift up our eyes toward heaven for your salvation, your Yeshua, that is your Jesus, is drawing near and coming to you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know about you, but that's gospel right there. The truth that we shall see Jesus, that he will come for us, that is comfort and that is peace to our ears. Now, all of that answers the question of why we're hearing what we're hearing this day. It's why these are Advent texts, why they are appointed for today. In fact, in some ways, the message of Advent reaches its fever pitch today before it starts to make more of a pivot towards the celebration of Christ's incarnation. But Advent as a season and what it prepares us for is not just a warm-up act for Christmas. It's not just a pep rally to get us into the spirit of Christmas to focus on the baby Jesus. Not at all. Advent is about repentant preparation, hopeful waiting for the final coming of our Lord and Savior. Our Savior Jesus did come to us to save us from sin. There's a reason that our God and Lord took on flesh, and then he had that flesh nailed to a cross. It was for our forgiveness and our salvation. Now there's the repentant nature of Advent, seeing our Lord crucified for us but also remembering and rejoicing that he is risen. We also remember that his coming was not just in the past tense, and it's not just in the future tense as a judgment day thing either. It's not like we're just kind of sitting here in the in-between and he's left us all alone. No. We're not left to fend for ourselves, not at all. Our Lord Jesus comes to us even today. He advents with us today. Lift up your eyes. 
And behold, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the powerful, almighty King who advents and tabernacles with you even this day as he comes to us in and under bread and wine. He comes to you to feed you, to absolve you of your sins, to protect you, guide you, and comfort you, to console your consciences. Lift up your eyes of faith and behold the Prince of Peace and his peace that surpasses all understanding. See, that is where this gospel message is so often missed. Christ lives now, today. The victory's won. I know it's hard to believe, given the state of things in our twisted culture today. Everywhere you look, it seems like evil's winning, and Christianity is powerless to stop the depraved and demonic onslaughts of this sinful world. Everywhere you look, it looks to humanize, at least like the church is losing. That's when you start to hear those doom and gloom types saying, well, it's time to give up hope. Abandon ship, run for the hills, save yourself. Dear saints in Christ Jesus, relax. Breathe in, breathe out, and rejoice. Yes, rejoice. For your Lord has already won the victory. It's a done deal. It is finished, it is accomplished, it is fulfilled as he proclaimed from the kingly throne of his cross. By virtue of your baptism into our crucified and risen Lord, you bear his almighty and powerful name for Christ's sake. You are declared righteous, justified, forgiven, and redeemed, and you receive his grace through faith. You have his sure and certain promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, not ever. No matter how bad or dark or hopeless things may seem, lift up your eyes, your hands, and your hearts and rejoice, for you belong to Jesus, and nothing and no one can snatch you out of his hands. Our Lord Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You have the sure and certain promise from your good shepherd that not even the devil can snatch you from the Father's hand. Therefore, hear Jesus' word this day and learn this faithful lesson, not only from the fig tree, but from the tree of life that is Christ's cross. Look to that tree. Behold the abundant fruit of God's love for you in the crucified and victorious Christ on the cross. Rejoice. As your risen Lord comes to you this day with his mercy and forgiveness given in his holy word and his holy supper, lift up your eyes and look to Christ and be at peace, dear saints. Your Lord is coming soon. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For steadfastness in the word of Christ, our incarnate judge, that ever mindful of his coming, we may live in harmony with one another and together glorify him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our congregation, that in the word of Christ, which does not pass away, we would find the strength to endure whatever trials our Lord sees fit to send us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have not heard the gospel, that the God of comfort would send pastors and missionaries to proclaim the saving gospel, and that the Holy Spirit would cause them to abound in hope, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the schools of the church and our baptized children, that our people may constantly be nurtured in the hope of our redemption at Christ's appearing, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For joy and skill in our various vocations, that we may faithfully serve God with cleansed minds, awaiting the day of our Lord's return. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation and armed forces, and for all the nations of the world, 
that those entrusted with positions of public service might serve honorably and well for the protection of others. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the ill, the lonely, the homebound, the depressed, those near death, those in any need, we especially pray for Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Helen Tate, Vanessa Burmeister, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, and all those we remember before the Lord, that he would shine his face on those who call upon him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commune this day, for repentance and firm trust in Christ, for right discernment of his holy body in the supper, and that God would fill us with joy and peace in believing, so that forgiven and abounding in hope, we may be able to stand with a clean conscience before his judgment throne. Let us pray to the Lord. Holy God, your anger at our sin is just, and yet your mercy abounds to us for redemption. Grant us repentant hearts, that we would not continue in sin or wander away from the truth, but rather recognize our sin, turn from it, and receive your forgiveness. Grant us a clear conscience for Christ's sake, that we may live joyfully and without fear. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Sunday in Advent. Uh, it's, a, again, a quick season, as I mentioned in the sermon. It's, we're just two weeks out from that sort of double Sunday of Advent 4 and also Christmas Eve. As we look to our announcements, you see there's a, a good deal going on here this week. Of course, we have Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. And again, adults, please remember we're continuing in our series of Hymn of the Day studies. So you might grab a hymnal and bring it with you to Bible class. Then looking ahead in the week, Trinity Classical Classroom on Tuesday. Uh, there's the circuit pastors meeting this week as well. It's not being hosted here. It's elsewhere. Uh, but it is coming up on Tuesday at 930. And then this Tuesday also, please note, Theology on Tap for December is both earlier. Uh, it's hosted over here at church in the Bible study room. And it will be men and women together. We'll have a special topic that is appropriate for uh, Advent here and also as we are approaching Christmas. Uh, Wednesday brings our midweek schedule, so please note that. And then on Thursday, handbells at 6. Uh, most of the announcements repeat from last week, but one that I didn't quite have room for and I want to let you know about. Or no, I take that back. I had to squeeze it in. It's very small there at the bottom. Uh, we have some pamphlets, some information about the Concordia Music Conservatory. Uh, they just had a chance to share some of what they do yesterday at the uh, uh, Christ Kindle Marked and uh, Concordia. But there are... Um, uh, little postcard size handouts on the glass case if you're, more in, if you're interested in that. That offers music lessons and instrument lessons for children of all ages. It's really a tremendous opportunity to have in this area. Uh, classically trained music, musicians who are very talented uh, lending their time uh, and talents to, uh, to train our children. Uh, please note uh, the, the announcements we have there in the bulletin. I'm not going to read them all to you. I'll commend them uh, all to your care and reading. Um, with just a reminder, we do have more of those Advent devotion books, so if you weren't able to get one of those, there are some available in the narthex back there and also on the glass case. Anything I might have missed? All right, well, seeing nothing, God's peace be with you as you go into this week, ever continuing to look forward to the glorious return of Jesus as uh, the light will dawn in the eastern hills and we will see our Lord Jesus on that great and glorious day. May that fill you with peace. I'll greet you at the door. <laughs>